Welcome to Nerd vs. World, episode 68, Nerd Games. I'm Brendan. I'm Spindles. And I'm Emma. And on today's show, we are going to have a roundup and recap from MCM Expo and the UK Games Expo. We will be chatting about X-Men Apocalypse. I have a review of Warcraft. And then we'll get around to some TV shows. See, see whether we have time to talk over season finales. Awesome. Cool. Well, do you want to kick off? As as I imagine, UKG is a bit bit fresher in your mind. Yeah, yeah. It's like a long weekend. Um, just about recovered from it, but it was the biggest games expo to date. It was fantastic. A huge experience. Um, they had taken over Hall One at the NEC and the entire ground floor of the Hilton Hotel. So all the space last year that was used for tournaments and stores and roleplay that was just open gaming this time and then the exhibition itself was up at the uh, exhibition center i was gonna say is it is the, the hotel is that actually on the grounds of the edc how far away is it it's about a five six minute walk all right okay so it's not too far then no but it feels a lot further when your arms are weighed down with Board games, games. <laughs> and you're, lugging your swag around, yeah, and you're wearing a leather jacket because you want to look cool. <laughs> really? Up, and then it just, you know, end up like swamp thing living in your pants, just fucking sweaty <laughs> as hell. Too much information, sir. <laughs> but it wasn't a nice day when I arrived, so I had my jacket with me, and it's turned into a really hot fucking day. Um, but yeah, it was great to see so many. Indie developers and indie games designers. There's a lot of shops there selling games, but then to like actually getting to meet games companies. Um, big love for Osprey Games, and congratulations for winning two awards for um, Odin's Ravens and Frostgrave for best strategy card and dice game and miniatures, uh, respectively. I think they sold out. All of their stock of Odin's Ravens. Very nice. Uh, I think that's probably my, my my pick of the games that I played this weekend as well. Okay. So they apparently sold all the demo versions yeah. as well. Yeah. They shifted the lot. Mm. It's just such a quick and easy game to play. I, I've literally seen pretty much everyone I know who's gone to that event has come back with a copy yeah. of that game. <laughs> There's just been pictures of the halls of games that people have come back with, and pretty much everyone has Odin's yeah. Raven. I like to think part of it is like my my day one roundup blog. Oh, absolutely, sir. It. But it's probably the fact that it was well demoed and it's just so simple. But, uh, as the shameless plug there, obviously there is a full write up of Brendan's oh, yeah. exploits available on the Monkey Spanner website, so you can check those out. Yeah, how I mean, how on it was I? I've never been that on it. I in know, my life. man. That was awesome. It was like uh, I I got a notification at like was it something like tw- midnight, one o'clock on the uh, after the, the Friday the night. Friday, yeah. The Friday I got home and I finished that. By about midnight. I got a notification saying, new content. I was like, who the hell's posting content at this time? And And in the day two roundup, I wrote that at like two in the morning, I think. (laughs) We were still gaming until gone midnight. And then just dropped back up. So, let's start with the Friday. Friday was, for me, was just looking around the exhibition hall, checking out the games. Uh, Checked out Owens Ravens from Osprey. Um... 
got my hands on Battle of the Bands by Battle of the Bands card game. Uh, it's an, a nice little gimmick. You have to you win on your own, but you can't win without cooperating. So each round, you want to invite the other players to come on tour with you, and then you can make negotiations on who's bringing what sort of thing to the tour, whether it's chops or riffs or gear or, or hype. And the aim is to collect fans and win. Okay. And as you progress through the tours, you start off where the first level tour is all about the gear and the music and like the ability, and the top level tour is like it's just the fans that matter, especially selling out as you progress up. <laughs> Metaphorically and literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a good party game. Um, again, the guys demoing the games all weekend were fantastic. I bought this one on the strength of the gimmick. Like, the t-shirt is the game board, which I just thought was a really nice little touch. And, and so who wears the t-shirt? No one who's... You, 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 <laughs> you don't play on somebody, you, you fool. You so, really? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's <laughs> not, golf, darling. It's, it's not that That's sort what I was going to say. Then, <laughs> it, it immediately brought up the whole pub golf thing for me, where you have the you have the board and then you fill it in as you go no, along. No, 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 no. You put it down like a normal game board. It's just a, a unique design. You don't have someone <laughs> wear it and then just lie on the table and just play on them. <laughs> that although, would be so cool. <laughs> although I'm sure you could. And I'm sure people probably will. There'll be photos now of people playing out of the bands. Like, yeah. Um, great game. It's been kickstarted, I think, at the moment. So cool. we'll get some more information for you for that. I have their press release, which will go up in, in the excellent. Full, yeah, here we go. In the full review that we will do of that game. Yeah, sure. Um, what I was looking forward to before the exhibition was a game called Ice Cool from Brain Games. So it's. A lot of people have been showing the video. It's a flicking game. So there's two concepts. Flicking you, game. Yeah. Two concepts, which, two concepts unique to this game. One is the whole box in a box idea. So the actual box that c comes in becomes the, the player. Okay. So it's in little boxes and you just pin them together in different positions. Mm -hmm. um, and then you're penguins. And in a school. And one of you is the chaser, the other three are the runners. And you take it in turns to try and catch fish. And you do that by flicking the pieces around the board. Mm. So you can... They're like, so it's kind of Subutio yeah, meets yeah, Pingu. Kind of. <laughs> and you flick them and like you can add skill shots to it once you've got... Okay. Improved them. You can get them to spin through more than one door at a time. Or you can get them to jump over the walls. Alright. Okay. It, it won the award at the Expo for Best Children's Game. Mm. I can see why. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a cool. really, really clever idea, both the, the execution of it and the, the concept. Sounds like the jumping frog game when you press it down and it hops into the pond. Ah, uh, yes. Expensive tiddlywinks. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's it's a, an interesting game. What else did I play that was really good? I played a game called Tatsu from Gen 42. Megan was talking about that yeah. one. It's kind of like backgammon. Mm. It plays kind of like that. It's very similar. You basically just play dragons going opposite directions around the board. Okay. And if you land on top of a dragon, one of your pieces can pin it, or one of your pieces can send it back to your base, or another dragon can destroy it entirely. Okay. And it's about making the first to eliminate all their opponent's pieces from from the game. Yeah. Is the winner. Okay. So it plays it plays like backgammon in the way that you roll two dice, 
and you have to play each dice separately for your move. You can move one dragon, two dice worth of moves, or you can move two separate dragons separately. Yeah. It plays really, really quickly. Okay, cool. It strikes me as being one of those games which you can just pick up and play at any time, but the more you play it, the more you will see the strategy and the nuances of the game developing. I think it would be... I can see it being adapted for, for LARP. Hmm. Now, Suro. Yeah. Suro got adapted for LARP. Did it really? Because we're well, LARPers Laf, Laf, Laf like to see a game, which is kind of cool, and then make their own little versions of it to take to LARP as, the, yeah. as an IC game for their for their characters. Fair enough. I can see um, Tatsu ending up like that. I'm trying to think what else I played. I played so many games. Let's go. Settlers of Guitar. Well, well I, that's, I, I that's guess day yeah, that's, two. We'll, yeah. get yeah. day two. We'll, we'll get to day two. Um, Any other highlights of the Friday? Of the Friday, just like meeting the people. There yeah, were the thirsty sure. meeples were there again. Thirsty meeples were ace. Yeah, um, thirsty meeples. Game library was huge. Um, getting aboard the Wotan bus, that was pretty interesting. So Wotan games were there. I played one of their games last year. It's cool to see how much they've come on because last year. I was playing um, Camelot the Knights, and I played that in one of the halls in the Hilton. And literally, they only had four tables with two of their games being demoed by, I think it was a father and son team. This year, they had a fucking bus. <laughs> so there's a giant double decker bus kitted out in their corporate colours, like slap bang in the middle of the exhibition centre. And they had uh, a load of games there. And they were demoing at the press previews uh, War of the Nine Realms, which is a tile-based miniature stroke board game. So it's not like proper miniatures like Super Dungeon Explorer or mm. X-Wing. It's like cardboard cutouts on the stands. Okay. So it's none of the expensive miniature game. Um, I think in my write-up I said it's probably going to be a gateway to miniature gaming mm. if you want to go that way. But it doesn't play out like that. And it's basically rinsed in North mythology. You play one of four competing clans, either the High Elves or um, the Ice Giants or the Nords, um, and it's, it's it's a war game, and it has two levels of play: either epic or heroic. So heroic is just your basic, easiest stats for combat and movement, and then your epic goes, and now you have the stats for special abilities for your units and this and that. So you just play it as one type of game until you can master that, and then you add another level to it. It's great. Um, very cool, very cool. The guy was, I mean, the guy who was demoing it. That was his first time um, demoing a game. Right. So he was just like <clears throat> pretty nervous, but also pretty excited about it, and that came across. So yeah, there's a Kickstarter for that. The show no the show notes will have all your details. Yep. Yeah. And then it was just a, a long day after that of just board gaming. I, do, I, 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 I just keep getting the bloody berserking spirit sword of Wotan goading of the Get of Fenris stuck in my brain, which is a shout out to the TTSMB LARP as I used to hang around with. So <laughs> I, I, it just, yeah, sorry. That, that's where my brain went about Wotan games. I'm sorry. I'm back in the room. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was my Friday. Just a lot of games being played and tested. Um, there's stuff that I missed. There's, there was a playtest area. Mm. Where new games developers are taking concepts. Is, it, is, is that games that are actually in development at the moment yeah. that they're just you know trying out with people? Because yeah, yeah. I know that the guys who did Molecular were there over the weekend that we play tested ITV way back when. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never have seen them actually. 
that was the thing. It was like there was so much to do, but if you found something you liked, you didn't move on from it quickly because yeah. you were brought in, you were sat down. Well, that's the thing were... with games is you can. Yeah. Uh, as, as soon as you you're into something, you will just spend hours playing it. There were there were a couple that I never got around to playing that I really wanted to play. Um, Steamforge games were there with the Dark Souls game. Yeah, that stand was just heaving. I bet it was all convention. Yeah, yeah. They had like six people demoing the game, and yeah, you just couldn't get yeah couldn't get close for love nor money. Um, there's a reason why it's broken like all the Kickstarter records for a board game. Yeah, it's so anticipated. Um, and then XCOM, just couldn't get close to XCOM at all. Uh, oh, okay, that's been out for ages. Yeah, then. but that was just like absolutely rammed. Okay, cool. Well, if you, if you want to play that, I think my mate Rami got it, I think. <laughs> Next time we're, we're all... I think you could be down to visit in August, so we'll we'll, we'll get cool. the board game and come around and have a play. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was Friday. Cool. Which was a very cool day. Saturday. So Saturday was meant to be my return to glory and my, <laughs> my pursuit of fame and my quest for greatness at the Catan National Championships. Your, your return visit, I might add. Yes. My my second appearance at the UK Championships. And, oh my God, it was fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> like, I literally forgot how to play Catan. I just forgot how to play. <laughs> oh my God. I had two bags of Jelly Babies with me because one bag wasn't enough last year. So I thought, I'll bring a second bag, which I then proceeded to lose. Like, I couldn't find it. Until the end of the day, but yeah, I was rallying the troops for you on Twitter, sir. I was sending everyone to you with jelly babies. I'd, Amy came past and threw some sweets at me, but they weren't jelly babies. But yeah, she threatened to, and she did. Um, but yeah, I don't know what happened. We got a you got your ass kicked. Didn't yeah, you? I did. <laughs> what happened? We got a we got a tournament draw. So you get your your sheet with your table allocation and your position on the table. So I started off. Starting in position three, which isn't an ideal position. Like, you're the third one to place your first settlement, and you're the second one to place your second settlement. It's not ideal. Uh, but the first board was fairly open. It was a fairly good board design. What, what they'll do is they'll randomise a board, and everyone gets the same board for each round. Oh, okay. And then in the next round they get a new board, and each board tends to be optimised for a different sort of strategy for winning. But the first one was a fairly friendly open board. There was no real contested areas. And I should have done quite well, but I ended up finishing third. And I fluked a third, if I'm honest. Um, I should have finished fourth. But someone, the person who won stole longest road from the person who was third. And with the two points that they lost from losing that, that dropped them to fourth and I gained a place. Right, okay. Um, so you, won, so you, I, you, you, you gained a place by proxy. Yeah. Right. I was not happy with that. Uh, the second game, I finished second. Could have done better, but my my game just stalled at a certain point. I got to seven points, and I was just like, how how do I win from here? I couldn't remember everything that got me so far last year. I, just, I couldn't remember any of it this year. I was just like, <laughs> I think, in truth, I was having too much fun with my table mates. Right. Like, there are people that take it really, really seriously, and I was just like... I kind of don't want to be that person this year. So there's a lot of laughs being had at the tables. Like, there was That's why I do so badly in Magic the Gathering. Yeah? Yeah, because I just take the piss and have fun rather than try to win. <laughs> That's why I do so badly. 
and why everyone hates me because I'm just the chaos in the middle of it all. Well, I was like, I was beloved because I was bringing the sweeties, um, and also because I was just such a weak player. <laughs> just <laughs> wasn't competing. Yeah, at like all. the little Furby in the corner. Yeah. The dunce that brings the food. <laughs> the comedy relief. Um, Can we make you feel any better? <laughs> the third game was a fourth place finish for me, and then I was debating do I go back for the final round, and I did. I'm finished fourth again. Like at least you're consistent, sir. Man, like last year was so good. <laughs> last year was so good, um, but this this year it all went a bit wrong. But to be fair, those like those two games where I finished last, the games were tight. I had seven points. Mm. But literally, it was ten, nine, eight, seven. Yeah. Were the overall rankings or? I if I'd finished higher, I'd have looked more more closely for the overall rankings. I'm sure they're out there somewhere, but no, I didn't. I didn't bother looking for my name this time. Right? So you, you won't be having T-shirts printed of the uh, ranked 437th in the world. At, you know, okay. <laughs> no, not at all. Not even close. Um, but yeah, there seems to be less players this year than last year. Okay. <clears throat> it seemed like a massive haul, though. Yeah, but they also had uh, Ticket to Ride. Ah, okay, sorry. Carcassonne. Um, my reading of that was that that was the tournament space just for Catan. No, no, no. Right, okay. That was that was the tournament space. So there's a video I put up on my Instagram, which is Nervous's World. You can just follow that and see it. Shameless plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was for most of the tournaments. That was like uh, Catan, Carcassonne, uh, Ticket to Ride. Right. I think... Lords of Waterdeep was in there on the Sunday, I think. Um, and a few others. The room where the X-Wing Battle Yavin tournament was, was bigger than that room. Right. And it was the entire... I think there was something stupid, like 170 plus tables just for for X-Wing. Those guys are intense. They are so intense. Um, I think I had a couple of friends who were playing in that tournament and they, they dropped by game three, I think. Yeah. Fair enough. So. So, head hung in shame, you then went on to. Head wasn't hung in shame. <laughs> well, there's no shame. I, in... I will stop ribbing you soon, I promise. <laughs> there's no there's no shame in my performance, I just I could have done better. And the dice weren't totally in my favour. Um, you know the rules bad workman blames the dice. <laughs> <laughs> T shirt with the, the homeless of Catan. How long have you guys been thinking of things? <laughs> Literally, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is how sharp we are, dude. This is all just off the cuff now. You were saying since Saturday, going, when he gets here, make sure we mention all these things so he can feel worse. Brilliant. Thanks, thanks team. The sofa surfer of Catan. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, head, head, not hung in shame, but in disappointment in my performance, perhaps. Uh, we ended up just doing what everyone does at the Games Expo. You find a quiet place to sit yeah. and play. <clears throat> so we got a game of cash and guns and sat in the restaurant and threatened each other with foam weapons. Or Sweet. Weapons, trying to have their dinner. And then after that, we jumped into a role-play game. Because we did a Pathfinder RPG on the Saturday last year. Uh, we really enjoyed the experience of doing RPG at Con, so we thought we'd give another one a shot. It was a game called uh, Legacy, mm. which is a superhero stroke sci-fi game. Um, it was fun. I'm not sure 
Like, the GM had a, seemed to be really ill, and it was like he was clearly losing his voice. You couldn't really hear what he was saying half the time, and the rules seemed to be fairly flexible in terms of their mechanics. Right. Um, like, as long as you don't roll a 1 on a d20, you essentially pass certain tests, uh, which is okay. We just made it into more of a narrative game. Yeah. So it was uh, me and my friends. I'm more of a fan of narrative than yeah. I am anything else, so it works for me. So it was me and my friends, Dean and Maz, and then two other guys who I don't think knew each other. So there were five players. Our group was 60% of the player group, and the other two were strangers to each other. So it kind of became us being more in control of the party. Uh, I was playing... A werewolf type of rogue. Well, I didn't realize it was a rogue until I read my character sheet at the very end. Werewolf type of rogue. So I was a, I was a shape changer. Right. And my, and my 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 other form was like a wolf man. Okay. So okay. That was the superhero. It's kind of a rogue Wolverine type. Ah. Thing. Okay. I get it. So not like a a thief that happened to be a werewolf, but like rogue the superhero. No. No? He, he was a rogue. He was a thief. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a traditional D&D type of rogue. Right, okay. But also a werewolf. Not an X-Man, no. Not an X-Man, no. There was a guy there who was... Um, I think Maz played a guy who was essentially Tony Stark. He had a, a, a special suit and could fire stuff from his hands. And then Dean was... Totally fine by me. Yeah, Dean was a, uh, a space ninja, essentially, with... A sword that was made of energy that you could turn on and off that definitely wasn't a lightsaber. Mm. It was a dark katana, is what we decided to call it. Dude, I, uh, I'm totally behind this, given that I, I once played essentially Neo on in the Star Wars tabletop RPG. I'm fine with anything. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was quite a fun game. I enjoyed the story. I, we had some fun with the characters. Um... We were essentially following on from a game that this guy had run last year, uh, playing the next part of that game with different heroes, and we were stuck. We'd been buried inside this floating temple off in this pocket universe, and uh, we had to escape and track down people who put us there, and it ended like, with this cosmic worm appearing, something that eats planets, and we were in this planet ship called Salvation Hope. We had to decide whether we wanted to sacrifice the lives of the people on the planet ship or let the cosmic worm go to Earth and eat everything in the solar system. So we ended up trying to be as heroic as we could but not really having our hearts in it. I think most of us had switched like the hero to villain by the end of the day. <laughs> there was a, <laughs> a prisoner called Corona who was the child of a star and was crazy. Killed her. Even though we promised we wouldn't, we, we did. We used her to power the engines on the planet ship because they were dead. Um, we lied to her. We bribed her with cheese with cheese dip. And then pushed her into this black hole. Again, it, it all sounds very, very similar to the Star Wars game that I ran. That once I, I pushed a bunch of people out of an airlock, uh, threatened them and then pushed them out of the airlock. Uh, but it happened that the ship was still inside the hangar, but that was just because I didn't realise it was inside the hangar. <laughs> and so then I ended up marching them and throwing them out the actual airlock just to prove a point. Uh, so, yeah. We hijacked this We hijacked this ship, and we sabotaged the ship that belonged to the guys that buried us. We, we tracked them down, we sabotaged their ship, and as this cosmic worm was approaching, we see them limping off 
in the ship and we're not getting to light drive and not going to escape it and we needed to test out the massive gun on the planet ship obviously before we fired at the worm so I brought it to bear on their little ship and destroyed everything in that quadrant of the galaxy yeah sounds fun <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah I think there's an issue with um, playing Catan from 9 till 6 and then <laughs> Role-playing from 8 till midnight. Yeah, it's living, called sleep deprivation yeah, mania. Li- living mostly on <laughs> jelly babies and the, the e-numbers of people just thrown in your direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, I, yeah. Know, I know it well. <laughs> We're all pretty tired. And yeah. But I still walked away having had some fun, which is pretty cool. Well, of course, who doesn't get fun out of that kind of a scenario? <laughs> it was great. It was a really, really good crack. Um, and if, if it weren't for people again. like that, then games like Tales from the Floating Vagabond wouldn't exist, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so that was the Saturday. Uh, Sunday was very short. Sunday was in. Pick up the last few few bits and go and see the dark room. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. Okay, so the dark room. It's <laughs> <laughs> a running joke there for fans of the show. Um, yeah, so we saw that. Uh, we, he got caught in a bit of a loop. There was one guy who kept wanting to find the light switch and kept, kept choosing that option again and again. Uh, and then the projector broke. Ooh, ouch. And the computer crashed. Ouch. And there was some time where we had to just sort of... Uh, Amuse yourselves. Amuse ourselves. Fortunately, he's quite a funny man. Yeah. So it wasn't really particularly dull. And he got up and running again, and we managed to finish it the way he does, putting the uh, darkroom by democracy where everyone gets to shout. Yes. And, of course, he, he bullied and intimidated some children. Hmm. And through... Was everyone still called Darren? Yes. Yeah. When we saw it originally at Eastercon last year, um, I think four people in a row went through exactly the same route and yeah. parked it. Yeah. And it was saying, oh, Why do you keep doing this? We've seen it You're not three learning, times before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. Um, that was my weekend. Yeah. Sunday? That was Sunday. That, Sunday was the last. Oh, picked yeah, okay. yeah. Fair enough. He was tired. Yes. Limped so, home. Fair play. Yes. yes. In his homeless of Catan t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. We did the we'll same. code HTML for Catan. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a copy of Notepad and I'll hand code it. <laughs> yeah, that was my experience. Um, that's what I got up to. So overall, overall um, it was awesome. I mean, because this is this is what it's a ten year anniversary yeah. one, wasn't it? So yeah, it was a, it was a big event for them. And in more ways than one. Yeah, and I didn't spot any issues. I think they had a similar issue to last year in that they ran out of open gaming space. Hmm. But that's going to be a solution which is never going. That's going to be a problem. It's never going to have a, a solution. Yeah. Because if they put on more space and make it bigger, they're going to get more people in. In which case, they're going to run out yeah, and need more space. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 a field of dream situation. Yeah. Build it, they will come. Yeah. Um, so Megan went. This weekend on just the Saturday, and she really thoroughly enjoyed it from yes. her, you know, pre-team perspective. Um, she's seen a load of things that you haven't seen, yeah. and then both between you haven't seen things that I've yeah. seen on neither, my Facebook. Neither screen. of you bumped into Jonathan. I know Green. I can't believe <laughs> Jonathan Green. Like even after I knew he was there, and I went looking for him, I still couldn't find Jonathan yeah. Green. Yeah, that guy's an enigma, wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a. A bubble of protection. Wrapped in some steampunk shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. with goggles. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there was so much to do. 
Yes, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, and that, that's, I guess, for, uh, as an outsider who hasn't attended it, what, what it looks to me is that there is so much going on. It's kind of that Nine Worlds <laughs> thing that you cannot possibly do everything over the course of the weekend. Yeah, to, to an extent, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, but it's not. It, it, it's, it's not, not quite the, as varied as the night. Yeah, exactly. It, it's list, not very. Yeah. It's just that the things that are there are so engaging yeah. that you can just literally spend all weekend yeah, doing yeah. them. And you don't have to do anything. <clears throat> That's the thing. Like you don't have to visit the stores. You don't have to go and play playtest games. You don't have to go to panels. You can literally just go to Thirsty Meeples and sit and play games all weekend. Get a library card and then just borrow games all weekend. Yeah. And that's that's genius. I think for me that that's that's the thing that always captures me about gaming, and it always has. Going back to kind of when I was started role playing as 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 a teenager, and then discovered Magic: The Gathering at seventeen. You know, my mate Alex introduced me to it, and we ended up sat up till like seven the next morning just playing Magic because it's that you just get that into it. You're like, oh, one more game and I'll, I'll have you. And yeah, it, it's that kind of thing. It's, it's the replayability of it that just makes these events just so cool. Yeah. But for the size of the, for the size of the event, for everything they had going on, they handled it perfectly. Like, sweet. It was, I didn't spot like any flaws in the organising or, or anything. I, I didn't have any problems at all getting and, around. And Megan did say on the Saturday morning there was only a half an hour queue to get in. Mm. Yeah. I mean, which is a well-handled queue. If you compare that to like the MCM Saturday, mm. people who turn up at nine will not get in there until twelve. Mm. You know, it 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 sounds completely different in terms of the queuing experience. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They always they found a lot to do. They didn't have to queue individually at things. They managed to get through an awful lot in a day. Which I guess segues quite nicely into uh, our experience at MCM. Yes, brings us nicely into MCM Expo. Indeed. And yeah, that was it. I think this is probably the busiest MCM that, that we've certainly had. Uh, I guess, yeah. So the Friday for me, um, first thing I was greeted with on, on walking into the hall after picking up my press pass was the uh, Attack on Titan Games area. And I was like, oh my god, I've been waiting for this game for so long. And so because yeah, you've just joined the rest of the 21st century and got yourself an Instagram account, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, actually, no. No, no. And, and, okay, bring it on. <laughs> but I did have one. And the only reason I removed my Instagram account was because of the whole Facebook takeover. Right. So he, I did have one, and I deleted it out of principle. Right. He okay. was he was a an early places. adopter, and then and then he he, he threw his toys out. I threw my toys out the pram when Facebook day. bought it. Well, welcome back, welcome back to Instagram. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. <laughs> so yes, that was one of my first posts back on Instagram right, yeah, again. Yeah. Was the uh, yeah the Attack on Titan game and yeah that the, there wasn't much of a queue because i got there very very early on the friday um and so had a quick play on it played through the demo mode then had a chat with the guys on the stand who were uh who just happened to be closing off the machine next to where i was saying this is for press playing on during the day so i went oh actually we got any slots free I'm like yes please come back at this time so i came back and i had a half an hour play on it and it's awesome it's absolutely everything i wanted the game to be it's just like you fly around on the odms slicing up titans and it's genius 
It's brilliant. It's uh, online co-op multiplayer, uh, or you can play it as single player and you go around and you pick up other members of the team and you can instruct them to either you know go off on their own and just search out titans and kill them, or they can back you up, or they can run cover for you and stuff. So you actually can control a team of up to four. Uh, and yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's... Uh, all done with exactly the same voice cast as the TV show. Okay, that's cool. So they've got all of them back to do all the voiceovers, uh, and the game itself covers uh, the majority of the story of season one of the anime. There are a few bits and bobs that they weren't allowed to confirm or deny until E3, and E3 still hasn't happened, so I can still neither confirm nor deny several things. The, the, a lot of the questions I asked were along the lines of, you know, can you play Aaron as a Titan? Can you? Do, uh, and a lot of them were like, well, we're going to be at E3 and we're going to be making a big announcement. So things like that, which cool. you can in, in, infer as you will out of the responses to those. But a couple of weeks to go then. Yeah, still yeah, a couple of weeks, okay. and then we'll, we'll we'll have the full responses of those. But uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. Thoroughly enjoyed playing it, and it's yeah, it's exactly what I wanted out of the Attack on Titan game, which is just the, it's the whole ODM thing. It, it's what when you watch that show, that's the one thing you want to be doing is you want to be flying around on the ODMs, slicing the crap out of Titans, and it's great. Cool. You can either yeah, it's up to you how you want to do it. You can either go for points uh, and literally spend. 10 minutes just flying around a titan slicing off limbs waiting for them to regrow going back in before you deliver a final death blow or you can go straight for a death blow depends on how on how you want to play it <laughs> but it's yeah it's great <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed that so i i, I spent half an hour on the uh, <coughs> excuse me on the demo mode when i got in there doing the training and then disappeared off had a wander around the con and then came back and did the the full kind of the the, the story mode play right. So, yeah, it was great. Thoroughly enjoying that game. Massively looking forward to it being released. Um, Anything else? Uh, well, yeah, that, that was literally just the first thing. <laughs> and, that, and that kind of set the bar for the convention, really. Yes. Is that it was, it, it, it was prob- it's probably been the favourite MCM that I've done yet. Yeah. Uh, just purely for the, the amount of content... The amount of names of people that got involved in it and just the, the variety of stuff on offer, I thought, was just stunning this time. And like like Nine Worlds, like we were saying about the Games Expo, there just wasn't enough time to get around and do anything over the course of the weekend. But I digress and summarise before I've even gone through it all. But there is, there is still a massive hole where games should be. Mm. I mean... Um, we we were talking to the girls about a girl about it in in the local game shop, and they say that they don't need to go to MCM. Well, anymore. it's not that they don't need to. The, the, the company have decided that they, they they run their own conventions, so they have a big presence at those. Right. So they've pulled out of all the other things. Like but it's, it's a shame because the last three yes. that they've not been to, or two or three, it's it, you know it, they did bring a lot of consoles and a lot of pre-order. Yeah, but it is and, a Comic Con. It, it is, but then again. MCM has the massive gaming presence as well, and it's only getting bigger because they have the esports arenas and they have a whole bunch of other stuff going on there. And that, for me, was a very big part of going to MCM. MCM was playing on a lot of the games and getting to play like Jurassic World and stuff like that, and shouting, "I'm a dinosaur!" in the middle of Excel. That that for me is great. And we pretty much every time we went there, we would pre-order a game 
from game there because that's you know for me that's that's the brand that i will always go to is game because i've been buying magic cards from them since i was 17 but if you do look at the amount of the floor plan that's devoted to comics versus to everything else it's, it's not high the comic village is only tiny in comparison to all the games and all the um the Japanese cutesy bits and the number of stores that sell llamas and pop vinyl. I mean, it, it's it's generally <laughs> more a, commercial than it is comic. Llamas. Yeah, mm. lots of llamas. Llamas and moomins. I, I didn't see many pop vinyls at the Games Expo. No. they were probably last year, but not this year. But so, what what else did you see on the first hmm. day that I missed? Um, well, on the Friday, I, I went and had a chat with uh, with Kit. I found Kit on, on, on his magical green square of doom. Uh, he has a problem with green carpets. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if you remember from, from last year at MCM, uh, there was Kit and Mark Stay, the guy who wrote and directed Robot Overlords, Gillian Anderson, Ben Kingsley. Yeah. Uh, there was th- th- Those two had been put in what's called the comic signings area, which was at the time a massive green square of carpet that they were put in the middle of uh, with two tables. Now, this time they decided to make it even worse and put tables right along one edge of this massive green square. With a wall behind them. <laughs> with a wall behind them and then this massive green square in front of now, them. we knew from last year that people were repelled by the green carpet. People would rather walk round the green carpet than across the green carpet. And it was a strange psychological phenomenon we saw last year. And then when, because people weren't walking over it, then a load of people started picnicking there. Uh, this was on the Saturday. No, that, no, no, no. That last year, that's oh, what happened. Oh, sorry, yes. So this year, when we looked at it, there was even more green carpet between them and the general public. And people we were just sat there watching people just, people just wandering up. And then they'd kind of spot this square of green carpet and they'd stop and walk all the way around it. Just... It was really, really weird. So I was stood chatting to to Kit and Mark, and they were supposed to have uh, Dave Gibbons and Bob Layton either side of them on the Saturday. So I think what they'd assumed is that you know then it would start filling up with lots more people. Um, But as as it transpired, it just it just kept everyone away. Uh, so I, I, I threatened on the Friday the conversation I was having with Kit was I was going to come back and I was just going to film it and then chroma key a massive black hole in front of them <laughs> just release to, it as a video we're trying to think of ways of avoiding this like perhaps putting a large sign there saying please keep, keep off, off the grass keep off the grass just to make people sit on it or something because <laughs> as soon as people see us please keep off the grass they'll immediately sit yeah. on but it it's, um, it's, from people who work on stalls, this whole different colour of carpet thing actually affects people quite a lot. Mm-hmm. That if it's a black or it's an orange, or you suddenly start to feel like you're not allowed in certain areas unless you're going to pay, or and they get intimidated and move. But I think what, it's very what, strange. What happened was on the Saturday, uh, a whole bunch of people had come and camped out in front of them and started having lunch. And it had gotten that close to them that people couldn't actually walk up to the tables anymore. So people had gone away from the avoid the entire green carpet to let's all sit on the green carpet and have lunch. So <laughs> it, it it transpired that it, 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 in all that time we went back to them on the Sunday and it looks like Bob Layton had the idea of circling the wagons. So what they'd done is they'd got rid of the wall and then moved the four tables into a square in the middle of the big green square. <laughs> 
Which was a cracking idea. And then everyone had space and everyone was coming up and talking to them and it was grand. But it just, it's one of those weird layout issues that people obviously hadn't considered. So there was this whole hilarity all weekend of these these green carpet and the, its repelling factor and how you can psychologically get around a green carpet and so it's just weird things that you notice from time of going to time of going and, and problems and how to get over them um yes so, that, that so yeah that, yeah uh, so friday was essentially just a kind of bedding down exercise of getting to see where things were having a wander around the con and spending a massive amount of time playing attack on titan right. um so i get megan from school and i do a runner into london and i go and pick up my press pass and her pass because the last thing i want to do is pick up one on saturday but yeah, by this by this point i said oh, i'll just say hello to kit and to alan and people and he said uh she goes, oh, what? I've got a gig, I've got a gig. So I was physically hauled out of the MTM and hauled back to the hotel. Where I had to go for a very, very good reason, okay? It was Breaking Benjamin's first ever UK gig. Well, it was their first ever gig outside of the continental US ever. Because, I mean, I've been listening to this band for the best part of ten years now, and... The main, the lead singer has such a phobia of flying that that, that he's their their album was called Phobia, and it's all, it opens with the sounds of airports and stuff, and that's the yeah. reason why he's never played a gig outside of the US. So I don't know what's happened him. now, but he's now done it, and yes, I abandoned, abandoned him. me and Megan with no food. We had to get a takeaway pizza, and we sat and watched the Wizards of Oz, which is all totally Aww. legit. Because it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it turned out, uh, as I discovered on the way to the gig, that they were being supported by Starset, who were another one of my favourite bands yeah, at the yeah, moment. I, I see that a lot on Spotify. I get on they my, are on my newsfeed, awesome. Like Simon Spindle's podcast is listening to Starset. Like, yeah. yeah, and they are fantastic. Uh, I, I, I have to get both bands to come on a show at some point for totally different reasons, because Starset... Uh, they, they, they call themselves as a genre cinematic rock uh, and they're on stage is like all, all the band are dressed in kind of uh, space flight suits with like LEDs inside visors and stuff and the lead singer has this um, amazing tablet interface it's like a massive glass plate that he uses as a performance piece and it's 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 a proper performance tablet that is an interface to uh pro tools cool and he uses it on stage as part of the performance and they have led screens with all the graphics and stuff running behind them they are awesome <clears throat> and it doesn't it doesn't hurt them anything that their music is actually fucking brilliant as well so i i was in utter heaven I'll tell you, I, I got in just in time to see Starset come on stage and I spent the best part of three hours in a mosh pit and it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> the uh, the noise when Breaking Benjamin came on stage, well, they, they played the first track and then at the end of the first track, he, he turned around and was just like, that is the first song that Breaking Benjamin have ever played outside of the continental United States and the audience went mental. The gig was sold out. It, yeah. it, Utterly, utterly stunning. He said he enjoyed it. Uh, it uh, uh, again, at points during the gig, he turned around and said, "You know, at the moment, the moment he set foot here, he said uh, he's going to come back and record the next album in the UK." 
and other things over the course of that evening when he started going on about how last December all the world came together to see a cinematic phenomenon that everyone's been waiting for, uh, then produced a lightsaber, then they started playing a metal cover of the Imperial March on a guitar uh, modelled after Kylo Ren. Uh, it was just like, yeah. And he terrorized like, yeah, we're all massive nerds. And I was like, yeah, right. I've, I've got to get you on the show as well. So that, that, that's my, my new thing is I have to get either Breaking Benjamin or Star Set or both to come on a show at some point. So that, that, that was my brief interlude on Friday night, and it was fucking awesome and utterly worth it. So back to MCM. So Saturday. back to MCM. <laughs> <laughs> so Saturday we went in and we abandoned our child and we went up to the press room. As we always do. Yes, we're shit parents, all right. <laughs> we're so, so shit that we take our daughter to conventions and let her roam free. Purely because we know that there are strategically positioned around the event floor at least 20 or 30 people that she personally knows that are running <laughs> stalls or doing autographs or whatever. So it's fine, all right? <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the first first panel I, uh, we did, because they were overlapping, as I did Being Human, and being, the Being Human panel was fantastic. Mm-hmm. They had that uh, such a bond together. Um, oh, it's because it, it was the original yes, cast the original of Being cast Human. Of being human. And they see that, you know... Including the shirtless lawnmower, as Kit calls him. Yes. So, um... Aiden yeah. Turner. Paul, Paul Dark. Dark. Scythe, no top, shirtless lawnmower. Right. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah ignore him, I'm quite sharp. <laughs> Unlikely. Uh, the... Uh, but it was great, because obviously they'd known each other for a very long time, and they'd lived with each other quite closely for three years. And it was incredibly hilarious. Because he was saying, somebody said, um, well, you know, like living in this flat. Said, um, it, it Obviously, you know, you're slightly nightmare housemates. You know, have you ever had any nightmare housemates in real life? And, you know, they're kind of like, well, no, not really. And then Russell Toby turned around and said, um, well, yeah, actually, the other month, he said, I woke up and I went downstairs and there was this woman asleep on my sofa. And it turned out that there was this mad um, Italian woman and all she had was Doritos and she wouldn't go out the house and she just stayed there on my sofa for two days and eventually one day I got up and she'd gone he says you don't like when that happens and everyone looked at him and just went no <laughs> so a friend of his who'd had spare keys had deposited somebody in need on his sofa and he just didn't like to kind of question it and to hear the rest of that story, tune in to eight now. Well, yes, we do have all that on tape. So when that comes out, you can hear all about the mad Italian woman. We only get Doritos. So yes, so you you were fil- you were recording that one. I was next door recording the Agents of Shield panel. That then you uh, you came in about halfway through that one and joined us, and then we had to leg it back into the other room again for the Arrow panel. Yes. Uh, did anyone ask Aliens of Shield about Squadron Supreme? No. And I tell you, you, you got back to me like three hours after yeah. it happened. <laughs> so, no, sadly not. We, did, we asked about Inhumans, we asked about a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and that one is up on YouTube now, so you can go and watch that. Um, the Arrow panel is yet to come out, and the Being Human panel is yet to come out. 
other ones we recorded on the day was Poppy Drayton from uh, Shannara. That was a great interview. She was lovely. She was lovely. She was really lovely. So yeah, that that's an excellent interview, and that one that one will be coming out soon. Um, <clears throat> I do believe the DVD's out now. The DVD should be out now. The DVD slash Blu-ray of Shannara season one. So go and buy that. It's awesome. There's a whole bunch of extras that she couldn't tell us about. So go <laughs> go find out what they are. Uh, and and they may have announced something about season two because you couldn't tell us about that either. And NCIS. And NCIS, yes, yeah. So we, we were supposed to be interviewing Kenzie Deeks and and Scotty Thompson. Completely uh, mixing actors and character names. I I know, but that that's the way. Daniela Rua, Eric Olsen, or Christian Olsen, and, and Scotty Thompson. Thompson. But uh, sadly, uh, Daniela and uh, Eric and make Eric it. couldn't make the the panel, so it was just Scotty. So we recorded that one. But that was a lovely interview as well. She was great. She was really lovely. So that one will be out soon as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's essentially the Saturday was pretty much all in the press rooms recording oh, no. interviews and it was it was great it's, it, it's probably the highest profile ones we've done so far and it, it was really cool and then we did go downstairs and towards the end we actually got to see things as people had drifted away yeah so, so uh, yeah because it was like four o'clock ish something like that that we got back yeah, downstairs yeah so then we went and looked around all of uh, the south hall because we mainly spent time in the south hall rather than the north mm. hall mm. but we did manage to spend about an hour in the north hall going having a look around everywhere and that's when we saw Preacher. The first thing we saw yes. going was Preacher. So the um, the Amazon stand was a giant uh, replica of the Preacher church. They basically put the a big cardboard outside. facade of a church up and it was great. So it, was, it was made with wood and got cardboard on it and all the attendants were all dressed up like preachers and you went in to the church and sat in the pew and watched uh, a ten minute intro to what, what Preacher was. Mm. Um which and is again, really impressive. Yeah, okay, I'm I'm probably a bad parent, but I took took Megan in there because I knew she'd enjoy it because of who was in it, which I didn't tell her about beforehand. They didn't exactly check ages, though, did they? Well, they, they said they said this. Is it, you kind of went. It's it, it, it's likely to be a bit mature, and we were like, "Dude, it's fine." So yes, I'm a bad parent. Don't judge me. <laughs> she had a photo taken with the on the Tokyo Ghoul background. She did. Yeah, yeah. she's adorable. But yeah, that we saw the, the the it was like ten minutes worth of a mashup of preacher of the pilot episode to introduce all the main characters, and of course when she discovered. Who, that that one of the characters was, uh, well, did I say Joe Gilgan? Joe Gilgan, yeah. yeah. So one of them was Joe Gilgan, Sorry, who again she's she's massively enamoured with from watching Misfits, which again yeah. me she's as a Miss Cassidy in Preacher. Yes. So again, me as a, a as a, a good role model of a parent probably shouldn't be letting my daughter <laughs> watch, but I do anyway. Uh, so then we ended, loves him to bits. Then we ended up downstairs in the Fox in the basement. Um, oh yeah, we, we hooked Nintendo up with, with John Late and uh, and the rest of the Level Eight Comics guys. Nice. So we ended up sat having beers and, and chatting with them. And then there was uh, a couple of other people joined us that had kickstarted John's comic yeah, last come over year. From Germany for it. And then they're they're now releasing their own comics, and this guy he proposed to his fiance through a comic and stuff. It was yeah, very cool. So yeah, we'd have sat nerding out over comics all night. Yeah, to be fair, like 
I could have sat talking to Lee and John yeah. for hours as yeah. a frequent bit comedy. And okay. yeah, so yeah, again, we sat over beers chatting about stuff for ages. Yeah. And, and my, I think my highlight of that night was when the Level 8 Comics guys said they'd buy the shit out of my idea of a short story and that screw doing it as a short story, I should do it as a full thing, which is my... Um, 1942-inspired Americans use zombies to win World War II <laughs> storyline. They were massively enamoured with that one when I told them that. So they were like, yeah, make that into a story. They'd buy the shit out of it. I was like, yeah. They may have had beers by that point. Yeah. They, they had many beers by that point, but I'm taking it as a win, all right? <laughs> and then Sunday, uh, when we went back in, um, we went straight for the Adventure Time panel. Oh, yes, yes. So, yes, Sunday was the day of actually watching panels. Um, And that was followed by the Big Bang Theory and Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, for the spoils, right? Yeah, the spoils, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Lex versus the Big Bang was the name of the panel. And uh, uh, until they actually put that up, I had no idea why. I was trying to work it out in my brain as to how they were trying to mash Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> with the Big Bang Theory and why. And then all of a sudden they put this in was like, okay, that makes perfect sense now. Why have I never heard about this before? And then they announced it. I failed as a nerd. Then they announced it and said, well, the first half is going to be about the spoils and the second half is going to be about the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. okay. That makes perfect sense. Great. Thank you. So, and that was really cool. I really enjoyed that interview. I, I really, really rate Jesse Eisenberg much as I dislike most of the characters he plays, I like him as an actor and I like him as, as a thoughtful individual. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd... Well, I saw you put the panel up. I think I'd just watched Adventureland. Yeah. And he's in that. I think I think he's a great actor. I don't particularly like him in BVS, is all. No, no, indeed. He's a terrible Lex Luthor. I, and, and in stuff like the social networking, the social network, you don't like him. Uh, but I like the way he plays things. I, I like the way he approaches things. Mm. I think... The way he was talking about his project yeah, was fantastic. Uh, having, having done a lot of acting myself, I appreciate the way that he talks about approaching a role and the way he talks about uh, roles in retrospective as well. So he, he's not possibly the best at answering questions in the way that fans want, because fans will say, hey, what's your favourite character you've ever played? What's your favourite? And there's a lot of examples of that in the panel. And and his responses are very much like, well, when I'm playing something, that is like the be-all and end-all of, of that moment. So at the moment, it's this thing. So this thing is the most important. But at the time I was doing something else, then that was probably the most important. So it's difficult to for him to kind of quantify how uh, how important the role is to him in in retrospect, yeah. and so I I really appreciate the way he thinks about stuff, and that was that was very interesting to watch him talking about that on the panel. That's I, I got a lot out of that one, and I, I I appreciate him even more having watched that, and the fact that he's taken a very very big leap from doing Oscar winning film to writing and acting in theatre, which is a whole different beast entirely. Because that was on in New York last year and it's on in the UK this year. I think it premiered the night before... It it premiered last night, this being Monday night. The premiere was last night. Because I had a friend, I got a friend who's... He was one of my students, he's now off... No, it was before MCM. No, 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 it literally... 
premiered in, in London. That there may have been previews, but the actual premiere was oh, last right, night because yeah. people the, were the, 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 the preview. The first preview then was yeah. the night before MCM. It was I, indeed because yeah, uh, I had a friend who was Ma- Melissa <laughs> Melissa Rook Rook was mm. there, yeah. and she'd seen it previously yeah. in in New York. Yeah, so one of my students is now uh, a big artist in Malaysia, and he was back over, and he was at the. The previous performance, yeah, yeah. Cool. Because interestingly, the guy who played Nathan in Misfits was at it. So when I've been looking at people posting about the spoils today on Twitter, everyone's posting about him going to see it. So oh, Robert okay. Sheehan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, but the one weird thing that Simon saw was that um, Cosmopolitan were completely misquoting that panel. Oh, and they did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Their, their reporting was that Colonel Nayar has said that the Big Bang Theory is not going to be happening anymore. Like That's not what he said. What he said is that everyone's contracts are up at the end of season 10 and they currently have no plan to go forward. He says, it, currently nobody's contracted past season 10, so we can't say what's going to happen past that, but he'd like to carry on. Has been taken as... Not it's not happening anymore. The world is falling apart. But in no way did they say that. They said no. over and over again... We are not contracted past season 10, but we very much want to carry on, is what they said. But, I mean, given that the last time it was renewed, it was renewed without blinking for two seasons. Mm. I still don't see it being a problem, it being renewed. But that that's my personal thing, even though it, it's nowhere near as funny as it used to be. But, yeah. yeah. We're thinking character arcs. Then that, uh, They're pretty arced. It's, it's something we've spoken about before. I, I don't think any of the characters have anywhere to go anymore. No. And the only way to go is to be really, really down and depressing and you break up uh, Leonard and Penny and you break up Sheldon and, and what's her name again? Amy Amy again. And make it permanent and, you know. The only characters who come out of the entire thing looking in any way, Rosie, are weird, creepy Stuart and Raj. Yeah, kind of weird. So yeah, the, the Sunday was predominantly panels. The the NCIS NCISLA panel was genius. Okay, that that was probably one of my favourite ones of the weekend. The the reason why it was genius was because of the interactions between Daniela Rua and Eric Christian Olsen. Yeah. Who in real life are family because she's married to his brother. So. Um, who is. Is he a stunt double on the show? He's a stunt yeah. double for him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that must be how they met. But so they are very much a family and their personalities are very like the characters. So, yeah. um, and I think that the, the writers have made quite a lot of that. By the, They've been saying recently, not when they first started, but she's very messy and he's very clean. And in real life, the stories are like that. that that's actually the relationship she has with his brother, that he makes a clean up. Mm. Um, and but they're very competitive and argumentative, yeah. and but you know there's that real strong bond there. there there's yeah, a great dynamic between the two of them on screen and off screen, and and it's the same. The way they behave off screen is exactly the same as the way they behave on screen. They're constantly trying to one up each other and and just yeah quibbling and it, it's great their dynamic was fantastic on stage he got a pillow made a deep <laughs> pillow that a girl wanted him to sign and she was going to take it home and sleep with it she hugs her deeks pillow when she goes to sleep um, so he took a photo of this deeks pillow she made um 
a pattern which he was ribbing her about this for quite a long time until this guy turned up with a picture of her face across a t-shirt and she was like that's mine that's mine and apparently crawled underneath the table to get at this guy and sign his t-shirt and go look at my fan look at my fan <laughs> so yeah they were great <laughs> That that was that was probably my favourite, most genuine panel of the weekend was the NCIS, NCIS oh, LA one. I love somebody, those guys. They're somebody so asked cool. them, is there do you ever forget that you're <coughs> you're you're not cops? And I thought, what a ridiculous question. They're actors, of course they know they're actors. Until they start coming out with all these and It stories. comes out with this story of you know, how we how we saw someone sneaking into someone's yard and then heard screams coming from the house and so he like dropped everything including his pregnant wife <laughs> ran over a vaulted fence and, and his, into his the wife house shouting, you're not a fucking cop after him <laughs> and, and he's burst gonna... in on this woman and 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 she's like what huh? <laughs> why, 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 why why are you is... an actor at my door yeah. <laughs> what exactly are you here to do it always just surprised me that's all <laughs> Utter genius. So yeah, there, there are some brilliant stories, and that yeah, watch that video because yeah. that, that that their panel is just absolutely brilliant. Their their relationship is so cool. <laughs> so then we kind of packed up and went home. And then yes, we were tired. Yes, we were. We were exhausted. So it was yeah, it was a long weekend MCM, and it was it's probably my favourite one that we've done. I think sweet. It was really really cool. I think MCM is just going from strength to strength now, and. Uh, at the point when that they've got Oscar-winning actors appearing and doing talks and doing that kind of thing, M- MCM is probably one of the headline shows in the com- in, in the country now, yeah, yeah. and it's I still, awesome. I still wish there was more food, fewer queues, always fewer, and more queues. access to coffee. Yes, more coffee, less queues. Mm. Oh well, take a thermos next time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sit and drink flask all day. Yeah. Nothing like the taste of flask. So yes, that was MCM. Sweet. Sound like a blast. Right, I'm looking at the time. I reckon we've probably got time to race through a film review. Okay. To talk about X-Men Apocalypse. Let's, yes. We've all seen X-Men Apocalypse, so let's do it. So start with Warcraft. Um, I saw that a couple of weeks back when it came out at the previews. It looks like Warcraft. You can see the landscapes. You see the storm and forest. You see Stormwind. It looks great. Um, the armor is huge and elaborate, and everything you expect from like full dungeon sets. But why is Ragnar Lothbrok running around? Yeah, <laughs> but it's a film that takes itself. It, it's it takes itself a little bit too seriously. It's trying too hard to say, "Hey, look, we're going to be the next big thing." Um, it's it probably kind of franchise build. Yeah, it's right. probably a little too late to grab hold of core Warcraft players, and probably oh God, a little, yeah. I mean, how old is the game? And then? a little too soon to really get the nostalgia. Get onto the nostalgia I was going to say because I mean, how how old is the game? Old now? games, it's ancient. Ten, fifteen years. Yeah, easy. From from reviews I've seen online, not of the film, but of of. Warcraft franchise in general it's been about you know the the players are losing interest and they're going away and thinking it's too money based and even the next reboots kind of won't help yeah yeah well so with much. the games what's happened with the games is they've changed the talent systems and the skill points yeah. so like you know, they, they've dumbed it down it's become a really simple game to get into the grind isn't quite so bad anymore and you can actually just like 
get the new expansion and level boost your character straight to 80 or 90 mm. rather than having to grind all the way up there. The guild won't be pleased. No. But the film, uh, it has its moments where it's a little bit funny, but you don't have the sense of humour that you get if you're playing WoW. Um, you don't have a battle line, for example, where someone has obviously typed backslash dance and their character's there just grooving away. <laughs> Nothing's like that. Um, and you don't get, what what's his name? Leroy Jenkins! Oh, man, that would have made it. That would have made it for me. <laughs> If Leroy Jenkins had some you, just get, you just get one character that just shouts Leroy Jenkins and runs in. That would have been the ultimate in-joke. Why it's, didn't they do anything like that? It's, it's essentially the start. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the start of the franchise. So this, is all, this isn't about Warcraft. This is about the build to world of Warcraft. Mm. So we're looking at Duratar and um, Ogrim Doomhammer and how they're coming to Azeroth. Right. From their lands and how they're being brought across. Um, it, it's that stage, it's the birth of Thrall, so Thrall goes on to, to rule Ogrimmar once the Orcs have settled in the new lands. So that's probably where this is going. We might come back like 20 years later and find that's what the crack is. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's watchable, disposable, sort of pap, really. It, it's not going to... I think that that's why we've immediately consigned it to either a DVD watch or Sky Movies. At it's some probably point. yeah, yeah. It's, it, or it, Netflix. It, even. When it comes on Netflix and yeah. you've already paid for it, and it's just yeah. there, you might as well. And I think that's that's yeah. where I'd immediately consigned that to the moment yeah. I saw the trailer. Because yeah. I I know nothing about World of Warcraft apart from the fact that I knew that people were getting a bit irked with it. You you think, I, th I think you know a lot more than you think, having watched the guild and stuff. I think you, yeah. you, you know oh, I, things I, about it yeah, by proxy. No, I know I know about <laughs> MMORPG games, but I, and I know of people who've played it and wasted, well not wasted, but invested 40 hours a week in it, week in, week out. But um, Only 40? Lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, but I mean, watching watching the advert for me was kind of, well, Ragnar's just being Ragnar. Yes, it, that's the thing. It looks great. Yeah, it does look the part. It's just a shame that they haven't. They're retelling a story, and they haven't really retold it particularly well. Right. Mm. Um, and whilst everything looks great, the acting isn't. Like the most believable characters in the film are the CGI orcs. Even Dominic Cooper, who is preacher, as the leader of Stormwind, is just so. Dungeons and Dragons sequel level wooden. In I the think divorce. you got that from the trailer. I though. guess yeah, but I guess this that. is this is the one. It's the one genre and the one type of thing that that Hollywood has never ever gotten right. Yeah, and that's the the the, the game to film conversion in the high fantasy setting. Dungeons and Dragons was fucking awful. Every single one of them they've tried to do has been fucking awful. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they've just never, ever got their heads around how to m realise that high fantasy setting from a game in a film. I mean, I think... I don't know. I guess I kind of want to see someone do Elder Scrolls and do that as a film and do that properly. That might do it just because it's got more of a linear story. Do you think maybe they invest more character creation in the orcs because they're not real characters? The, the, the horrible problem with this is you have a mix of CGI orcs and then you have the one half orc who is... The uncanny valley yeah. of the attractive orc. Yeah, but with the prosthetics which are just 
awful. Yeah. Her tusk prosthetics are just ridiculous. And I, so they must invest I, I, I'm, watch, I'm watching this. Out. I'm watching it at a midnight screening, and there are five people in the cinema. And usually at that point you think everyone's come to watch the film. That's why I go to midnight screenings because it's usually quiet. When I have to turn around to a group of three people and say, "Do you mind not talking through this film?" <laughs> Someone was from watch this you know, Yeah, people, people who would come to a midnight screening to watch the movie were talking through it. Third of the audience, from what you said. Well, sixty percent. Sixty percent. That's that's how. Bad it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, mean, I didn't want to give up on it. I wanted to keep watching it. But like when people are talking, then you kind of know that the film's lost the audience at that point. Okay, push for a rating. Uh, it's slightly better than Jurassic World. Um, Ooh! What did I rinse recently? You certainly rinse Jurassic World. Uh, Batman vs Superman. It's Batman vs Superman. It's yeah. better than Batman vs Superman. I'd watch. <laughs> okay. Between Batman vs Superman yeah. and I, 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 World. I, I would quite happily um, get drunk and watch Warcraft for a look at how bad this film type of Okay, is. so it's so yeah. cheesy, it's yeah, good. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's almost approaching that. Um, I wouldn't watch BBS again, apart from maybe the extended edition to see if it makes sense. It's not going to. Yeah. So if you're recommending <laughs> this to us, it's going to be a Saturday night if we want to turn our brains off and yeah. sit and have a drink. If you want to laugh at a fantasy film, if you can accept that it's not going to break any, you know... So essentially the mood that I was in when I watched Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. So that's that. It's probably four and a half, five out of ten. Okay, no, that's fair. Surely because of the, the, the looks of it. It looks the yeah, part. Yeah. It looks the part, and there's some in-jokes in there, which you'll get if you're, if you're fans. Yeah. Um, and, and it does feel like being back in the game, but the the actual real human characters that's poorly executed, and the fight scenes just are a mess, and right. the overall plot is terrible. But it looks pretty. So, so yay. a bit like the desolation of Smaug. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on then. So, no, no, you didn't. <laughs> no, you gave of, up after the first one. X Men Apocalypse. X Men Apocalypse then was was the next okay. one. To talk yeah, about. yeah. No, I did the review. The review's on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the review, I mention um, the the end credit scene being yep. particularly niche. Very niche. Very uh, in fact, I, I I only know of. One other person outside this room that I've spoken to that understands the reference. Cool. So, um, the end credit scenes, for those who've seen it, sees a team of people go back into the Weapon X laboratory at Alkali Flats and start collecting blood and samples. Um, And then the briefcase closes and Essex Corp is on the briefcase. Now, Essex Corp is a reference to Nathaniel Essex, who is Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister. Um, who, whilst he was around as a villain before the 90s, got his origin story in The Adventures of Cyclops and Jean Grey, which is an early 90s short-run storyline. Now, I mentioned in my review that I would like to see the next set of trilogy films go away from the big bad and start looking at the personal relations with the X-Men start looking at how the X-Men can be used as allegory because if any comic franchise can do it it is the X-Men 
And I think if they go along the line of exploring over the course of three films the relationship between Scott and Jean Grey, her descent, her, her transformation into Phoenix and her descent to the Dark Phoenix by the end of the trilogy, we'll have a pretty good trilogy of films. And I Let's also, not get there too soon. No, no, no. But I also think that, <laughs> but I think that Sophie Turner can do that. Yes. Jean Grey. The one thing I really enjoyed about X-Men Apocalypse was the young cast and how mm. they were really in their roles. They were a better Jean Grey and Cyclops than the first trilogy, Jean Grey yeah. and Cyclops, mm. far and away. Even Nightcrawler was better than Alan Cummings' Nightcrawler yeah. from X-Men yeah. 2. Yeah, I would agree. The, the cast were brilliant and their small story, small detail stuff was amazing in that film. The rest of X-Men Apocalypse, the big fight scenes and the villain... I think the overarching storyline was a mess. Yeah. But it, um, it brought some humour. Um, um, there was there was bits I like. I loved the Nightcrawler stuff. Yeah, yeah but great. you don't necessarily want that from Apocalypse. You want, you want to feel like everything is at risk. Mm. And I don't think you ever did because he was just he wandering was, around, yeah. basically putting a band together, going on tour, and yeah. yeah. And, and the rest of the band were effectively useless. It was just Magneto and him could have done it all himself. Yeah, Psylocke was criminally underused. Oh God, yeah. in the film, and so was why was Jubilee even cast? She had two rock. That was the, the, the that, that was, was my my biggest thing was. Okay, so she's just been driving around the car and then they've just left it and so that's Jubilee gone now, right? Like, okay, thanks on, for that. She's, she's just left at the, at the house babysitting the little yeah. kids. Yeah, And the Quicksilver sequences were... He was just there for... Um, the slow he was there to do exactly what he did in, in the last minute. He had more of an impact this time around because he did actually fight Apocalypse briefly and that was quite interesting. Mm. Um, Getting everyone out of the house was fun. Yeah. But... Here's where I'm even more excited about the Nathaniel Essex, Mr. Sinister thing. Because he has a clone army, his marauders. Um, we know that he's got Wolverine's blood, so you want making a clone of Wolverine. We've already heard rumours that the new Wolverine, after Jackman hangs up the claws, is going to be the X-23, X-23 yeah. iteration of Wolverine, which is cool. The other super cool thing is... The continued adventures of Scott Gray uh, of Scott, Scott Gray, Scott Summers and Jean Gray, <laughs> um, leads to Nate Gray, mm. their son, Cable, in yes. Deadpool, who also has a clone, an evil clone, Strife, who's connected to Mister Sinister. Yeah. So, through that one post-credit scene, they could potentially tie in. A load of different franchises and universes. It'll be interesting. I, I I will be very very interested to see if they adopt Deadpool on a larger scale to the kind of X Men universe than what they did on the last one. I I, I know it was it was physically linked, but the just the lack of actual appearances from other characters in that universe just kind of makes it feel like it's a kind of bastard offspring that they're just not talking yeah. about. I think we, we might see Deadpool make Wolverine-type cameos in X-Men films. That would and be I'm awesome. sorry, but Wolverine's cameo in Apocalypse was awesome. It was great it to was. see him just weapon X the shit. Yeah, yeah, people. and that was great. Yeah. That was so well played, and I had no idea it was coming, and that was brilliant. 
And he's almost back in the state that we found him before. The That's what I say. Yeah, it, it kind of just Gone ended up as circle. a big circle, and we're back where we almost found him at the start of X Men. Yeah. So like he's just been caught in this time loop, and that's how they explain the fact that he ended up there with bone claws. Yeah. And now he's got his metal claws again. Yeah. He's just gone through the whole process again. He's caught in this perpetual weird loop. temporal loop, and it's great. I love it. He's just this one constant in the in the, in the X Men Wolverine universe. Um, it's right up there with hold the door. Yeah. Oh, it feels. <laughs> the feels are still real. Oh. Oh, the feels. But I, I do like this X Men more than I like the last look. This iteration is it, it, it's a lot better. I mean, I, I was a little bit annoyed at the self-referential kicking of third films and stuff. And oh yeah, yeah. A lot of the blatant displeasure of Brian Singer at what people did to the universe after he left it and how much he's had to essentially retcon it coming back. That was a bit too blatant, I thought, and yeah. a bit self-indulgent. I think the film I think the film was a one was one good villain away from being excellent. Yeah. Um, I gave it a seven out of ten, mostly because I think that there was no real threat. Uh, you didn't really feel like things were genuinely at risk. X Men Apocalypse. Poe Dameron goes to White Castle. Yeah. All the, yeah, it, all it, just, it just felt more like the villain was getting the gang together hmm. and, and and amassing some enemies for the next film rather than actually being there for this film. Yeah. But so again, that, that's the thing. Is it, and, the it felt in the same way like some of the, the Marvel Universe ones have felt that it was yeah. setting up the franchise for the future rather than just being its own film. Yeah, exactly. which, which, which when I came out was kind of one of my major complaints about it. And I think the reason Deadpool was so successful was they didn't know how successful it was going to be. So they didn't write a film that was open-ended. They made... It was a, yeah, a contained story. A good, yeah, a, a contained story that did what it should do. Start to finish, you watch it, you enjoy it. And there used to be a time where... You could write superhero films, and you didn't have to be them open-ended. Ant-Man wasn't particularly open-ended. No. It didn't have to build anything. That's why I love Ant-Man so much. Yeah. They didn't realise Because it tells was, a story. Yeah, it's the same with the first Iron Man film. Yeah. And the same with the first Avengers, to mm. a degree. That's a contained story, and that wraps up that first phase. Everything Marvel done since has still been executed well, but my, my stumbling points with both Age of Ultron and Civil War is that it does feel like they're trying to put things in place for future films. Exactly, it feels like a, here's a thing, but this is what's coming. Yeah, which I kind of wish they'd get away from, because yeah. that's not going to wash forever. Indeed, and I, I think that's, that's the big problem, is that I think they need to stop adding things to the universe and start getting rid of stuff. Yeah, and they need to... <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard of their elephants upstairs, yeah. I do apologise. Um, the writers need to remember how to write stories and that means start to finish with a conclusion and then generate new ideas for, for further stories and try and make them work not set further, future stories up in the first one yeah um, yeah Cool. Well, if you are going to set future things up, make them so subtle that everything's not dependent on it by the end of the film yeah, yeah. yeah. and just leave it there as maybe something that don't the, the audience doesn't even think needs to be resolved and then pick up on it on the next one like books do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's what writers do, people. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that was that got me excited there. Was the Essex Cup? Yes, most definitely. So who was the other person you spoke to that got the reference? Because I've not met anybody. Uh, Nelson at work. Sorry. Yeah, I was, I was talking about it this morning when I got the, that. Li- I walked in the door and literally he was like, "Dude, have you seen it?" So I expected, and, and yeah, so that that was. Now I you, listened to the show, so hey, Nelson. Now, now <laughs> you bring up the um, the child and the clone and everything. Cable, I remember him now. Yeah. But, I'd, I'd Cable's, Cable's obviously in the next Deadpool film. Yes. Um, mm. If you like, believe the Ferris Bueller ending. Uh, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> you believe. I believe it. Yeah. Do you believe, brother? I Ron, Ron, Ron Perlman wants to be Cable. I'd be, oh, yeah, I'd you be okay with Ron Perlman yeah, as Cable. I'd be happy with that. Or Kurt Russell. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's... That's quite a lot of stuff we've just bombarded you with. Yes. <laughs> and we didn't Have even get Have fun digesting on... all of that. We didn't even get on to yeah. episodes. And a bunch of TV shows finished too, folks. <laughs> we'll save that for next time. <laughs> cool. Uh, and remember, hold the door. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's too soon, man. It's too soon. Have you seen that you can buy door-holding doors? No. You too can get a door stop. We two. Us yes. two. Okay. Right. That's 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 about us. <laughs> I think that's about us, dude. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you all for listening. I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. And I've been Ella. And until next time, take care and be excellent to each other. Ta da! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God.